Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dual Screens podcast. It's not Halloween, but it's going to feel a little spooky this week because joining us is Laura Ripoll, producer and designer over at Endflame, the developer of Ikai, a first-person psychological horror game set in feudal Japan and inspired by Japanese folklore. Laura, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great, thank you for inviting me to today's interview. I am really excited to, to do it. Yeah, uh, you know, my listeners know that I am a huge, huge fan of horror. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to start with with that, I guess, because you, your team is a first time. This is your first game that you're developing. Your first yes, official yes, it release. Yes, the first game. So I kind of want to know what what drew you and your team to start with with the horror genre all just fans of horror or how does why did you settle on this specific genre for your first game yeah well we are all fans of horror of course if not we wouldn't have done a game like so because sometimes we get scared even during the development because we like to to make jokes with one another and maybe we put the monster in some place that the other doesn't expect it to be so then we we play with that and we enjoy um, developing it uh, as well as playing horror games but our main motivation was that we are only three, so um, we really had to think about what to do thoroughly because uh, we have limited resources. So horror games were the kind of genre that we could do. It's a really tough genre to get. I'm, I'm always curious. I've, I've spoken to a lot of developers who make horror games. When do you know when something is scary and effective at actually scaring someone? Is it just watching your team and yourself react to how things are set up in the game. How do you know that this is going to be terrifying for someone playing the actual game? Well, I don't know how other developers do, but um, we do it by intuition. I put it in the game, I test it myself, and and also sometimes I don't tell my partners about it. So if I get to see their reactions, I know whether it will be scary or not, and also play test with friends. Uh, we try to recreate the mood uh, to make it as similar as when the players will actually be playing the game as possible. So with a dark environment, shut windows, and everything settled to, to see their reactions. Yeah, I think that would be the best, the best reason for me to actually make my own horror game is just to give it to my friends to play. Like, here you go. I'm working on this. I want to scare you to death just for that. I don't care how it sells, if it's good or not. I just want to scare the people in my life. Um, so Ikai specifically, this is, it's not like, we didn't get a lot of games set in feudal Japan. So it's a very different setting than most horror games. I feel most with this perspective go for a modern day setting in someone's house so talk about the origin of this game why this culture why this setting why japan go into all that for us we didn't want to do the same as always we wanted to go different and feudal japan is a theme that appeals us all so we decided to to try this this type of theme, we didn't know if it would 
match the horror genre, but as we went deep into it, we saw that there were many legends and creatures from their folklore and that it is very rich. So we liked it a lot. And, and that's why we decided this, this feudal Japan setting, actually. Did the idea to make a horror game come first and then you're saying to yourselves, where can we set this? Where can we place it? Or was the idea of we want to do something in Japan, but we're not sure where exactly or what the job, what, what came first in the development scenario? The horror game came mm. first, then we decided the setting. We wanted to make something different, as I said, and we, we knew it should be horror. So we started the brainstorming like a house, hospital and things like so until we came up with this idea that we all liked. Did any of you have any intimate knowledge of Japanese folklore before you started to bake this game? Were you just in your research and trying to find out what your horror game was going to be about? You came across this in your research and thought this would make a really great place to put in place our game. Uh, we don't actually have a background, but uh, I myself have studied Japanese for some years. So I know a little about the culture, not folklore specifically. Mm, but we got to know more and more things as we kept the research. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to bring something up because I feel it's been happening a lot lately with a lot of developers who are tackling a culture that is not their own specifically. Like when games like Sifu came out or Ghost of Tsushima, they get criticized for, well, if you're not, if you don't, know that culture you shouldn't be tackling it but my stance is you've now learned about this culture in making a game so what do you say to folks who feel like if you're not one with that culture it should be sort of hands off for you as a storytelling device yeah well we'd like to tackle the cultural things uh, very carefully and we put all our love into the game uh, so we want to be respectful with it because it is not our culture. But I think anyone could make a game of any culture that you like or you enjoy because not even people who are native to that country know about their own culture or past right. culture. You know, if you ask me for for Spanish culture, I would have to investigate. Also, <laughs> I I mean I know certain things, of course, but. Uh, it's I, I don't have any background of uh, historical research and I, I'll have to do it from from scratch also. That's why I think that we could touch any other culture because you have to learn it from from point zero and and as long as you make it with with the respect it deserves, I don't think there's a problem. Yeah, I can't imagine like going to like, because I'm Greek. So any like God of War, are there Greeks on your team? Are you Greek, sir? You can't touch, you can't touch my mythology or my culture. And there's so much media that takes from my culture. And I feel like I love seeing it exposed to the world, no matter who's making it. I want it out there. And I think the respect approach and the passion that's driving you to, to, to bring this, you know, folklore to life is, you know, people don't always see that part of it, but I appreciate that because now I get to learn more about Japanese folklore because there's not many Japanese folklore horror games and here, here we are. 
So what is kind of walk us through what the moment to moment gameplay is like in Ikai. It's, you know, it's first person game. Kind of walk us through what players can expect when they get their hands on this. And it's out in a couple of weeks. Well, it's a psychological horror game, so don't expect to find combat or something like that. Um, we want the player to face the enemies. So it is not a typical psychological horror game, but they'll do it in a different way because you'll have to write protective seals in order to approach the, the evil, but you cannot attack it. You'll have to go to find a cursed object, put the seal on it and wait for it to have an effect. So that's the core of the game, actually. You have to purify all the evil creatures until, until you finally get it, get the objective. Yeah, I was playing some of the demo and I had a hard time drawing some of the seals in the beginning. I was like, if I was being chased by a ghost right now, I'd be dead. Like, <laughs> really shows how bad my artistic skills are. And she was like, that's not going to work. Please try again. I'm like, damn it, lady. <laughs> so how does that actually work in the game, though? When you're, when you're drawing the seals, how does that interact with the monsters that are sort of populating this world how does that whole mechanic factor as in? as you've seen when you are drawing the seal you cannot see anything around you and you have to be really careful of what's happening so in in the middle of the game not in the tutorial that's what you probably made yeah. most of the mistakes <laughs> but in the tutorial, nothing happens, but in the middle of the game, you have to be careful and quit drawing, then retake the seal, maybe in the same room, maybe you have to look for another one where you think you'll be uh, more safe or or at least uh, more than in the other room. So you'll have to retake it and keep drawing and stopping until you get the seal done. So I'm screwed is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I feel like I can't, if I, if I can't draw it right in a calm, peaceful no threat environment i'm not gonna do well when there's pressure and there's things chasing me and i have to like draw uh <laughs> draw a symbol on a little piece of paper you'll have to go slowly then stopping retaking it yeah <laughs> it's gonna be difficult where do you look for for influences when you're making a game like this because it's easy like we said before when you make when you place a game in a more modern setting, there's you have so much to pull from in terms of other games and even film that's out there to you know and to take and pull and make your game better. Where do you look to to make a game in this setting to make it effective, to make it a good horror game? What's that like for you on the creative side? That process. If we are talking about the setting only. It will be an anime called Inuyasha, which is set in this exact environment, not mm, in a shrine, wow. but in feudal Japan. And it has lots I of love evil Inuyasha. creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it? I, yeah. I also love it. So that's <laughs> a good one. That's where we draw most of the inspiration mm. of, of the creature setting. And so it's not uh, horror, but we wanted to make a horror approach to, to this mm. type of setting because we wow. think it could really work. So you guys are a small team. It's what, three of you in, uh, on this team? How did you all come together? And what made you all want to pursue a crazy career in video game development? Because it's, it's, I've spoken to a lot of people. It's a hard thing to get into. 
even to get the game working and out there is a monumental effort. So walk us through what led you on this path to becoming a game developer. Yeah, well, the three of us already knew we wanted to be in the video game uh, industry because we studied the video game degree. So it's a university mm. degree about video games. That's where we met. After so, we spent a couple of years at the industry until we decided to go and try ourselves because we felt like um, we didn't... We weren't able to express that creativity because we were told to do certain things. Mm. Although we enjoyed working in, the, in video games, it was not ours. So we decided to, to do our own and to create our own team in order to, to achieve this creativity and this possibility of making our own game. Right, but having the degree is one thing, but what led you to actually say to yourself, I want to pursue a career? Was it like from an early childhood, like you were just into video games, you were growing up or what made you want to pursue this like in your higher education as you were getting older to get a degree in game development? Uh, you mean the reason for studying the degree? Yeah, the degree? like the whole what what light bulb went off and said, you know what, I want to get a degree in making games. And what's the origin story of why you became a game developer. Well, I think the common interest is video games, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think also being keen on how how do developers make games. It's not the same playing than developing it. And at least on my side, I, I feel like I've always questioned how, how could something be done in the video games I was playing as, as a child. And, and thinking, oh, this is so cool. I'd like to do something like mm. so. And after investigating a little bit, I found out that there was a degree about it. And I said, let's go for it. What is the game development scene like? You're in Barcelona, correct? If I'm, that's where you're located. That's where you guys are based out of. What is that scene like in terms of support and a community of, because, you know, you go, in the states the west coast huge game dev scene canada huge game dev scene what's it like in barcelona for uh, aspiring game devs uh the indie dev community is really good we all get along with each other we try to do several events to to gather together and meet new people from the industry and there are not many huge studios or games although there there are some but um, we are most small indies and and it's very it feels cozy and warm when we gather together it's it's really good we've got lots of talent here yeah i mean i'm looking at this game it looks gorgeous uh what was it like when you signed on a publisher with this game because it's again it's your first game out of the gate and you find someone that's going to support you and believes in the game what was that process like as a first time, like big release, like indie game dev. <laughs> it was relieving. The most thing was relieving, actually, <laughs> because we needed financial support. We are only three. We, we knew we wouldn't be able to make it without external support, a game like, like this, because although we knew that we could make a horror game in the light of the size of the studio, there are also some aspects that we would. We, we actually had to, 
to hire from from outside like a boil over that we couldn't mm -hmm. do it by ourselves and other things so that we needed uh someone who who could help us out with with all this so we it was it was tough and and we were like okay we we have to find a publisher there's no other way like <laughs> let's try and teach everyone and we we made a research also on how to pitch a publisher how to approach them what will they look for um at what time of the project should should we or should we wait a little more should we mm -hmm. do it at the beginning it it was tough and we really felt really relieved when when we got one uh did you go through a lot of publishers or was it just PM Studios was one of the first few that you guys reached out to? How, how did that whole thing come to be? Was it, um, was it a long process or did they just love the game instantly? Did it fit their portfolio, their sort of, their catalog of games? How did that, all, that whole deal come together? For me, it felt long because we wanted a publisher, but I know that in reality, it's not long at all. Uh, it was just a couple of months of uh, meetings, uh, emails, and, and all this stuff until we decided to go with PM. We, we had some offers. We had also some that we declined, others said no, and, and others, I don't know, there were many publishers, many meetings, but it, it was actually in a short period of time, a couple of months it took. What are what kind of terms are you saying no to? I'm curious, because I feel like if I was in your position and I was trying to get financing, funding and support, like if someone says yes, I'd be like, great, here, where do I sign? <laughs> but like, what are the things that you that you look for that you could possibly warn other aspiring game devs to be on the lookout that mm, this deal doesn't sound right to me what, what 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 kind of things are setting off alarm bells in your head uh, when signing my advice would be uh get in touch with a lawyer that's what oh we wow did because, okay okay yeah that that's what we did because we didn't know um this industry is not very transparent so if right. you want to look through other contracts you won't find almost anything on the internet so you should go with someone who has seen actual um, agreements so we we contacted the lawyer and and talked to him about the situation that we were just the three of us our first game and to have it into account because we we wouldn't like to the pressure to to too much to the publishers we don't want right. to ask something that we know that we can't get if we are just the three of us with no previous uh, experience in releasing any game. We had experience, but just in the university and, right. and a couple of years at the industry. So just be realistic, uh, but trust some attorney to, to look at, at the contract before you sign anything, because you may think it's something normal or, or that something is, I don't know, to that the publisher wants it on their own and you should take something more and and it's a negotiation process so mm. just trust someone who knows yeah because i've heard some pretty like predatory stories where publishers want almost a whole piece of the pie 
from the developer it's like they, they they almost make you feel some of them that you should be lucky that they're taking a chance on you and that giving them everything is that yeah. you're <laughs> you're doing the, them a favor by giving them full control like please yes just take it all from me thank you so much i appreciate all your work just you own all of my intellectual properties yeah. and all of my ideas yeah that's actually good advice like seeking it out because yeah. again it's not most people they feel like when because the game dev is just one side of it the marketing is a whole other beast altogether and people forget that's a huge component of getting your game made and seen and when you're so into the making of it you could leap at any offer just to get it out there in the world because you're so focused on Making yeah, you should game. be careful of um, what you are signing the contract yeah. with. Uh, my advice was more about when you think that the publisher is the right one, but of course mm -hmm. there are some red flags before you go through that process of actually seeing the, the agreement or the contract, mm -hmm. which, for example, we found a publisher that was asking to us to share the repository with them. And we were like, we haven't signed anything. We should give to give the whole project to you. And we, yeah, we backed off. It's like, we don't want this kind of publisher. So I don't know many red flags because it is our first game, but right. just from our experience, this, this kind of comment already make us want to decline this, this offer, like show us your whole repository and certain things like so. Well, I, I think that you made a good choice with PM because I've known them for quite some time. They're amazing people over there, so they'll take care of you and they know good games. So I'm very excited about this. Speaking of the game, um, what what's more terrifying, the game itself or the fact that it's coming out in like two weeks? <laughs> what's What's more terrifying to you? <laughs> the fact that it's coming out in a couple of weeks yeah <laughs> yes it is and, and because it is our first game I guess we'll feel the same with with the following ones but it is the first I don't know what to expect when I am mm. expecting it to be released so it's I'm very nervous about it so let, let's talk about that because I feel there's the excitement of you've been working on this game for however long it's been and it's you're doing this full time. I mean, you, the three of you left what would have been secure jobs, but no creative freedom to pursue this, this project. And now it's, it's coming out there and all these other emotions are kind of coming to the surface. Like, oh my God, what have we done? We, this is happening. <laughs> this is real. There's a release date. There's a Steam page. Walk me through all of that because I'm always fascinated by that end of it as well, because this is also the big part is now it's out there. It's going to be out for the world to look at, to criticize, to yeah. all, all that, all that crazy stuff. <laughs> we've been through many phases. Uh, we've hated our game. We've loved it. <laughs> and when, yeah, when we finished the game, it was like, I'll never play it again. I, I want to shut down everything that has to do with my game. Then later on, when you get like um, some news from your publisher that says, oh, it will come out physically or 
or some some other things mm -hmm. then you you retake it you you have a look at it again and say oh it wasn't that bad it's good actually <laughs> my game people will enjoy it so <laughs> you, you have these up and downs until we are now um, a bit nervous without knowing what what to expect from our first game I don't know if I'm happy or not. I'll have to wait until the release to to get what's happening. Like this, Rodinger's cat, more or less. I know. <laughs> yeah, it must be hard to divorce yourself from the actual work you've put into the game to the enjoyment part of it, because you're playing and you're squashing bugs, tweaking things, fixing things, and something else breaks while you're fixing something else. So it's there's all of that emotional baggage that you have attached to this project and now it's but you got to find the love also because now it's out there and it's your baby and you know you can't hate your baby you know yeah i'm already feeling proud when i see at some stores that uh, you can pre-order it and it's like oh it's my game and i can see it in my city supermarket and and stuff like that what have the benefits been to releasing a demo on steam because a lot of games they forego the demo route altogether you'll see a lot of extended previews hands-on trailer then here's the game and then people play it and mm, this is not for me how has having a demo worked out for you in terms of getting feedback and improving the game and do you recommend that most developers release demos for their for their projects it was very helpful for us we could see reactions from people and and of course some feedback we already knew some of the negative feedback because it was a demo and it it was at the very first stage of the game so we already knew some something that we we would like to improve in the future uh, but there were some that we didn't have in mind and make and made us change a little bit the game not change but tweak certain things and it was really helpful to get playtesters without them knowing they are playtesters. <laughs> yeah, aside from free that, labor at that point. <laughs> yeah, more or less. It's like you're gonna be my playtesters play because yeah. we don't have as many contacts to, to test the game. But then so. that's like I'm doing you a favor, I'm giving you this demo for free. It's like, come on, who doesn't love a demo? It's like yeah, it's like, please it's... work for me. <laughs> Yeah, and aside from that, it, it was also really helpful when approaching to the publishers because we had some figures to show them, mm. like uh, views on YouTube, videos right. of our of the gameplay of our game, also the type of comments that we were receiving on each on each and this these things sum up to to have a good pitch or presentation to to a publisher because without all of this we wouldn't have been able to to prove them that our game is worth being a market mm. what was some of the least helpful feedback you received in the demo process you were just like why did someone write this to me why did someone give me this information <laughs> why do they even bother <laughs> we've had some strange experiences there was a, a japanese guy that uh he seemed uh, really interested in the game but okay. he was writing things that didn't have sense at all like the color of the paint should be 
um, brown instead of red or some sort of things like this and, and we were like oh okay it was just a demo we'll try to make more research and maybe wow. change certain things and he said yeah I'd love to to see that and also and maybe some other random stuff like mm, I like these lamps better than these others <laughs> It sounds like he was trying to apply for a consulting job. Like, oh, you're going to, this is all wrong. If you listen, bring me on the team. I'll let you know what to do. The right shade of brown to use for this one painting. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, I think it's a good, a good point to now segue into some rapid fire discussion. Now, I always handle rapid fire for horror games a little bit differently because I kind of want to get a little bit more personal and on the topic of fear, especially. So, Laura, I want to ask you, what what terrifies you? What scares you? What what image would keep you up at night? Mm, I think it's the unknown, something Mm. that you don't really understand like I feel that it's um, a shadow can be scary more than just seeing a human or just discovering what it is Mm. so I I think uh, what terrifies me the most are these things you don't know what they actually are Mm. for me it's uh, being unhappy and my crippling night terrors that I get every once in a while (laughs) um do you believe in ghosts Mm, no i don't but Mm. i love ghost stories oh and horror games and uh, all this i love love them although i don't i don't believe in them i'd like to play these horror games they sometimes pop up in in the internet like um i don't know calling a certain name at the mirror at 3 a.m or something so i like i like to try this (laughs) I don't believe that you're saying Bloody Mary in front of a mirror (laughs) and just hope for Candyman. (laughs) If you were a ghost, what kind of ghost would you be? Are you more of a Casper the Friendly ghost or are you like a poltergeist that's going to totally fuck up some family's house and just drive them insane? Where do you see yourself on the ghost Mm. spectrum? I think I'd be a naughty ghost, not a, mm. not an evil one, but I'd like mm. to play with people. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same page. I wouldn't make someone want to kill themselves or their family or go totally insane, but, you know, open up a, a cupboard, move a cup, <laughs> you know, <laughs> flick someone's ear, whatever I can do. Just to like annoy someone. And I have a long list of people to annoy, let me tell you. that's suddenly what i do (laughs) what job doesn't exist but you wish it did Mm, that's a tough question i don't know i already have the job i want (laughs) so um, i'd say the typical one of uh trying mattress or something like oh you want to be a mattress tester that's what you want to do you want to people should bring you their mattresses you know you just stay at home all day and they'll bring you like here lada please just try this out give us your feedback and you'd be like no this isn't good guys you gotta take it back then they'll give you a thousand dollars and they walk away and then the next one (laughs) 
I like that. I like that. It's a good one. Because <laughs> I love sleep so much. Um, would you rather live next to an active volcano or a very poorly secured prison? Next to an active volcano, I think. So the, uh, yeah, the active volcano, is that what you want to take your chances on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I was thinking about the recent news of the Canarias Island, of the mm. Canary Island. don't know mm. if you know what happened with the volcano. It's tough, um, that's true. But maybe you are far enough from the volcano so that it doesn't... So you don't have lava surging through your living room at some point? Is that what the <laughs> is that what the hope is? Like, okay, yes, there's boiling hot magma, but I live pretty far, so I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I hope the, the volcano is a bit far from me, so I don't get the effect. <laughs> okay, how about this one? If one of your or both of your two other colleagues got a phone call from the local police department, saying that you've been arrested for committing a crime. What crime have you committed? What crime? It's probably something I, I don't know I have done, <laughs> like something I've done wrong and, I, and I'm not aware of it. Like, oh, so you broke know. the law by, I didn't know that was a law. <laughs> I yeah, know that was yeah. a thing. Pro probably this kind of, <laughs> yes. Like, was this forbidden? I didn't know that. I know that you could, like, steal someone's child or urinate in public, and no one told me this was a law. <laughs> or I could walk without pants on in the mall. No one told me these things. Uh, what chore, what household chore do you dread the most? What makes you just put it off until it gets really bad and it can no longer be ignored? Uh, from which uh, I mean from household like doing the dishes the laundry vacuuming mm. cleaning what's like something you have to do in mm. your house that you you just don't like doing and you keep putting it off mm, I'd say the laundry the laundry yes yeah. I don't know why it always accumulates. And when I go there and I see that many pieces of, of clothes, like, well, it, it'll last hundreds of years to get rid of everything. Is that why one of the first things I do in Nikai is I have to pick up laundry and clean it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like some of the subconscious is seeping into the game design there, Laura. <laughs> That's what makes the, the horror game, actually. Right, it's picking right. up the laundry, not the other parts of right, the game. Right, no. Forget ghosts and seals and no, just doing laundry in feudal Japan with like down by the river with rocks. <laughs> it's like the real hardcore shit. Um, would you rather have shoes that were made out of Lego or clothes made out of kiwi? So you have Lego shoes or Both very made out of kiwi. or very itchy clothes. Got it. Yeah, that is the answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the correct <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, let's see. What else could we ask here? Would you rather have an exact clone of yourself or 
have one million dollars in cash. One million dollars. Oh, no hesitation. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 nothing. I hate myself. <laughs> if I have one like <laughs> There's no need oh, to be too in this world. We don't want more of me. <laughs> no, no. It's okay with a million dollars. I won't complain. Yeah, I, 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 I go back and forth on that. And then my dog walks in. I go back and forth on that. Like, sure, I could have one more of me. More of me is great. But I think the other me would annoy me. <laughs> then it would annoy other people. Because I know me. I know my habits. <laughs> and that would not... Yeah. That would not go I, over well. I know that someone like me would annoy me <laughs> because when <laughs> I am stressed, I annoy everyone else. So imagine to, to stress people at the same room. No, no. <laughs> uh, speaking about things that terrify people, like more of themselves, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Um, I don't usually take it, but yeah. Okay. All right. That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. You're like, nah, but you're not going to discourage it from other people from having it. Okay. Yeah, I've had some Italians on the show and like pizza makers and they've been like, never. It just never? absolutely never. They're very against it. So it's always a fun question to ask. Um, what are, if you had the chance to work on an iconic horror game, like your game is released and you get a phone call saying, we love you guys' work. We want you to make the next Resident Evil, the next whatever. The next what? Fatal Frame. Fatal Frame. Oh, my yeah. God. Fatal Frame 2 is one of the best horror games ever, ever created. And I miss that franchise so much. It, it's sad that it's not sad, but sad, funny that it kind of went down that you know, it's so Japanese, these games now, just so much fan service and, you know, <laughs> these like big titted girls, like it's, just, it cracks me up how much it's like, a, yeah. it went in that direction from a very serious horror game, but you know, it's just Japan. They love doing that stuff. So I can't, I really can't knock them for that. But uh, yeah, the I, worst thing was that they didn't do it before. Right, right. <laughs> we got like, we got, we got three really good, serious fatal frame horror games before it went full on full on fan service um what is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself um wow i don't know i don't normally injure myself mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was like uh trying to um to break uh, a piece of bread but with my own hands like but i got a oh like here like chop <laughs> yeah. it like yeah like chop you it had, like like, it, like karate yeah okay <laughs> and, yeah and how bad did you hurt yourself trying to do that no it, it was not bad but i didn't expect to to get hurt with that i mean it's just god. bread my god i think your ego was more bruised in that situation <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, last question I want to ask you, and it's one I always ask every horror game developer, what do you think most modern horror games get wrong? 
that's interesting. I think that um, they they don't want to work in on something new from the genre. They just do what has been done, mm. and that's that's good because we have many good games as reference. Mm-hmm. But I think you should go different to to create new games from the for the genre, not just going again and again to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when PT came out, and then we have like five hundred million PT clones. Yeah, so some are really good, but a lot of them are just, hey, this looks like that thing everyone was crazy about for like a good few months. Give me money. It's yeah, but if kind you of like clones, it. I think that um, people who have the talent to make such games could do something better, something mm. new, and to bring fresh air to the genre with, with something a bit different from what has been done. You can take certain things, of course, because you, you won't do something really, really good that has never been seen before. But uh, you can take some things and make your own ones also. Well, I certainly thank you and Eniflame for bringing something new to the genre. And again, from the setting to all of it, it's really trying to carve its own identity in the horror genre. So thank you for that. So before we go, Laura, give us the final sales pitch, the social media. Where can we find the game? When is it out? Give it to me, baby. Okay, the game will be out on the 29th of March mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find it on Steam. Uh, you can also pre-order it right now on Amazon GameStop. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be out for consoles, which I haven't said, and it's also important. <laughs> I'll, I'll get my copies for PlayStation. I love PlayStation, so that's uh, the first one. Uh, I, see, I knew I, you I and I would, would get along. I mean, yeah, aside so, from the horror thing, I'm a, just a tiny, tiny bit of a PlayStation fanboy. A wee bit. <laughs> yeah, but also for the Nintendo Switch. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. I, again, the game looks phenomenal. It's I can't wait to get back into it and do some more laundry. Okay, <laughs> and uh, best play the game with headphones because it's such a huge game changer. I was just in my office last night with all the lights turned out low, headphones on, like at two in the morning. That was, I love it. Yeah, the the mood makes a difference. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all you listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us this week. Please support our indie devs. They make they make awesome games. And those awesome games are always on this show. So please support them and support the show. And as always, please be excellent to each other.